Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of our Lord and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for the Holy Ghost. We ask him today to open up your word to us. Unveil, unfold, reveal your word. Show us things, Father, that we've not seen, that we need to see and we need to know. Establish, water, strengthen, renew, and refresh those things, Father, that maybe that we have seen but that we have let slip. Father, we pray, Father, that your Spirit, the Holy Ghost, we say, Holy Ghost, have your way. Say what you want to say and do what you want to do. We have come, Father, to worship you, to draw near to you, and to hear from you. We pray, Father, that the words that we speak would be words that are given by you, utterance from the Holy Ghost. Father, we thank you that your words deliver, bring light, reveal reality, and open up to us the realm of your kingdom and the realm of the Spirit. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to continue the new series this week. And uh, I want to start out by asking you a question that you don't have to verbally answer, but you should think about. And that is, why are things the way they are? Why is your life the way it is? Why are you going through what you're going through? What is the cause? What is the problem? Why are things so wonderful? Why are things so difficult? Why are things so easy? Why are things so challenging? Are you happy with where you're at? Are you satisfied with what the course of your life is and the direction that your life is on? You know, I, um, I, uh, I had a change come in my life when I was, uh, I don't even know how old I was. <laughs> it was about 2007, I think it was. In 2007, and uh, I had always grown up with the desire to fly. I always wanted to fly. But, um, uh, and I got to fly in some airplanes, but I wanted to be the pilot. Like, I didn't want to, like, like, just sit in the back and watch somebody else. And when I sat in the back, I always wanted to sit in the front. And any time that I had opportunity, when I'd be on some private jets and different things like that, I'm always like, can I sit in the jump seat? You know, I always want to be up there as close as I can get. And if they didn't have a co-pilot, then I want to sit in the co-pilot seat. And so um, some friends of mine came to visit us on my birthday, around my birthday, and um, they surprised me with uh, an introductory flight. And uh, man, that was a mistake, but it was a good mistake. <laughs> so as soon as I went up, you know, an introductory flight, then you have like the instructor, and, but they sit in the right seat, you sit in the left seat, the pilot seat, and so you get to actually fly. And uh, if you go for an introductory flight, uh, typically you will be the one that takes off but typically you're not the one that lands. Because <laughs> the taking off is not really nearly as difficult as the landing. <laughs> um, and so, uh, although you could uh, kill yourself taking off if you do it wrong, but they're there to, to guide you and to help you, and so it's, it's not necessarily that difficult, at least in a light aircraft. Um, but because I saw the reward immediately, once I had this introductory flight, I had the incentive to change. And, you know, that was like change the direction, in, in this case, of where the money was going to be utilized. <laughs> because if you want to learn to fly or you want to fly, it takes some money. Praise the Lord. And that was a, a while ago. 
but uh, I enjoy flying. But one of the things you learn really quick when you're flying is you don't have to follow, at least uh, if you're doing visual rules, you don't have to follow an invisible road in the sky. Now, instrument rules, yeah, you have, you have some IFR routes and those type of things, although now they do a lot of GPS routes. But um, when you're flying based on visual rules, I don't have to follow some road that's beneath me, uh, uh, beneath the airplane looking down. I can just say, you know what, I want to go from here to there. I'm going to go straight. So I don't have to take all the extra time. But if I don't do my calculations correctly or if I don't pay attention to my instruments, I can be heading for Annapolis and I can end up in Hampton Roads <laughs> with, uh, you know, from here, you'd have to be pretty far off to do that. But uh, let's say if I flew from when I used to live in Indiana or Michigan and I flew here, it would not take very much to be a little bit off. In fact, um, you know, I've been working on my house a little bit, and so uh, uh, one of the guys in the church loaned me a laser level, and I thought, you know, I need a laser level, and so I researched the laser levels, and then I, I found laser level, and so I went to order this one, and um, uh, I called up a local company, and they said, uh, well, this shows that this, that is going to be, like, um, discontinued. I said, really? It doesn't say that anywhere. And he's like, well, I think so. Let me check. So he called up the company and said, yeah, yeah, that's a, they got a, a replacement model coming out. And I thought, well, I don't want to waste my money on like an old model. I want a new model. So I ordered this back in February and it didn't come in until like two or three weeks ago. And um, so I have this laser level and it'll go like a couple hundred feet. And so I set the laser level up. Um, uh, we were putting a, a garden in, in the front and I thought, well, we might as well just square off the garden with the house. We got this laser level because I'm using it for the house. So I take it out in the dusk and set it up. And then, uh, you know, I have like a front uh, porch overhang. And so I set it up with the front porch overhang so I can have it squared with that because our, our garden's in the front. And so Melody's there helping me, and I go to adjust it. And I'm probably, I don't know, 100 feet from the front porch overhang. And so she's like, oh, it needs to go a little that way. And so I adjust it, and it goes like a foot, you know, where she's at because she's so far down the line. Because my original point here, like if I had brought it here this morning and I tried to hit that back wall, well, if I could make just a, a minute thing where you could barely see me move it, it would move probably, you know, six inches, eight inches back there. And so she says to me, she's like, no, no, just move it just a little bit. And I said, why don't you come and try to do this? <laughs> because it was really, really hard to move it minute because a little bitty move here made a big difference over there. And so in our lives, when we sometimes think like, you know, well, this isn't going to make that much difference. This little change isn't going to make that much difference. Well, you have no idea how significant a little change can be. And you do this thing that maybe from your perspective isn't that big of a change. But from God's perspective and from the um, lifelong on the earth perspective of your life, if you could chart it as a line, that little change can make significant difference in the future. Yeah. Just think about it. People are all different ages in here. So if you're pretty young, if you're close to 20, pay extra, extra close attention. <laughs> because what I'm going to say has the potential to change many things in your life. Now, if you're not that close to 20, the Lord will bless you and multiply your seed sown. And he will if you're 20 as well. 
But let me tell you, if you take just a little bit of money when you're 20 and you start to invest that every month and you just continue to do that every month, it's not a problem to be a millionaire at all. And it doesn't take that much money. All I'm saying is what you might think doesn't make much difference right now can make a huge difference as you go. And so when we talk about change, I want to look at Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 and 19 in the Amplified, and then we're going to read it in the message. Do not earnestly remember the former things, neither consider the things of old. Okay, so that's if you didn't start investing when you were young. (laughs) Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive and know it? And will you not give heed to it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I love that. I'll make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So it doesn't matter what it looks like. In fact, if it looks like you're in a wilderness or it feels like you're in a desert, man, that is such an awesome time to act on the word of God because the word of God will not fail you. The word of God, if you act on the word, if you believe what he said and you act on it because he said it, not because I said it, not because your friends said it, not because some famous preacher said it, Joyce Meyer was just here, not because Joyce Meyer said it, but if you act on the word because God said it, then you're in line to get God results. In other words, you can hear a minister of the gospel say something about the word and it can bless you, but our actions Actions of faith that please God are not based upon what a minister says. It's based upon what God said. Now, hopefully, you're listening to ministers that are speaking what God said. But in other words, if you're saying, well, uh, I work for Pastor Tim. He did this, and that happened. He acted on this scripture, and that happened. So, you know, because, you know, he said it, then, then maybe it should work for me. Well, no, the only way that you could even probably come close to having something like that work is like the centurion said to Jesus, speak the word only. Why? Because I'm a man under authority and I have those, uh, have, uh, those under me under authority. And I say to this one, go and he goes, this one, come and he comes. In other words, because uh, you, know, you have like a, uh, I'm a pastor and if I'm your pastor, there is a voice of authority over your life. So if you're doing it because of that, then you could get something. But other than that, because of me, you can't. I know, um, you know, uh, Brother Hagen prayed for uh, Brother Haynes, who was in an oil accident and pretty much given up for dead. In fact, the doctors thought he was dead. And um, to make a long story short, he was pleading his case because he was his pastor. And he said, Lord, uh, I need him as a pastor of this church. And if I need him, you need him. And that was basically how he played his case. He's like, he gives 30% of his income into the church. And if we lose his income, we're sunk. (laughs) And he's an actual Sunday school superintendent. What did that mean? Well, that means he was head of all of the Christian education at the church. And he wasn't just a figurehead. He actually did it. And so he served, he was faithful. And so uh, he was able to do that. I didn't mean to get off on all of that, but you don't, you act upon what God said, not upon what a man said, unless you're just saying like, well, he he said that, but Lord, I know you said it. 
I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. We read uh, from Psalm 107 last week about um, water springs in the middle of the desert, pools of water in the wilderness, that he specializes in these things that you may have all of your needs met. That is, just, that is not just financial things, but that includes financial things. That he makes a way where it seems like there is no way, where it seems like there is a blockage and a blockade, and it seems like you're walled in on every side, he is the one that makes a way. Uh, message translation. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over the old history. Be alert. Be present. I like that. I'm about to do something brand new. You ever been like here, but you're not here? Uh, that happens sometimes with husbands and wives. So like you're riding in the car. And all of a sudden, hopefully they're not pouring their heart out to you, but sometimes maybe they're pouring their heart out to you and they're like, so what do you think? I'm like, I don't know a word you just said. <laughs> and I can tell that I really should know exactly what you just said. Oh my Praise the Lord. Thank God for mercy. My kids asked a question the other day, and I don't remember what it was, and they asked something. And I, 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 said, I said a scripture, and I didn't say Romans 10.19 says this. I just said, well, da, 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 and then I said, I gave another scripture, and then I gave another scripture, and Melody started laughing. She said, she said, you know, I guess that's what you get when your dad's a pastor. <laughs> so I just kept saying it, so I would say, like, you know, Melody, the Bible talks about the mercies of the Lord, and the mercies of the Lord are new every morning. And Jesus said, you know, shall I forgive him one time? No, 70 times seven. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert and rivers in the badlands. Now, Isaiah 26, 24, one of my favorite passages of scripture, because the devil seems to always want to bring your past back up to you and your past mistakes and your failures and what you did and why you didn't do it right and, you know, why you're never good enough. You know, need I go on? Isaiah 26, 24, they, this is Amplified Translation, Isaiah 26, 24. They, the former tyrant masters, are dead. They shall not live and reappear. They are powerless ghosts. They shall not rise and come back. Therefore, you have visited and made an end of them and caused every memory of them, every trace of their supremacy to perish. I love that. And in... in um, in the King James, starting with verse 13, it says, O Lord, other lords besides you have had dominion over us, but by you only will we make mention of your name. They are dead. They shall not live. They are deceased. They shall not rise. Therefore, you have visited and destroyed them and made all of their memory to perish. Why do I like that? Well, because... You can do something and you can mess up and you can have a bad situation and you confess it to the Lord and that thing is out of existence, as good as gone. But what happens? 
Well, the devil will try to bring you a picture, an image, or a sense of that whole thing. And he'll try to remind you, and he'll say, oh, don't you remember? You're not good enough, or you did this, or you did that, and you can't handle it. You know what? That is just a powerless ghost. It'll try to rise again, but it has no power. Because Christ himself removed the power of that from you by his blood and by his life. Those are just powerless ghosts. We talked last week about um, making a change, and what you actually need in order to change is uh, when people do change, you actually see they have typically one of three things happen. Number one, the pain is so great that they uh, are forced to change. Number two, the reward is so enticing that they want to change, and so they make a change. Or number three, they learn enough information about something that they change. Uh, Generally speaking, in life, those are the three times that you will change. You can even see in Romans, uh, the Word of God tells us concerning information, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you know, like even a believer, if you don't renew your mind, you're going to be changed on the inside. You're going to have something on the inside that really wants to work on the outside. But if you don't transform your mind, if your mind is not transformed by the word of God, you're not going to see changes. And like I say, you'll end up being a very frustrated individual because you are a three-part being. In other words, the body that I'm looking at when I look over you That is not the real you. That's just the outside. I love it. Even in secular society, you hear people say, uh, you just want me for my body. I mean, the the, the biggest heathens, you could see stuff that they have written that they have said, even in Hollywood, and they'll say, oh, they're just interested in my body. They're not even calling them, they're not saying you're just interested in me. You're just interested in my body. Well, you have a body, I have a body. But you are a spirit. You also have mind, will, and emotions, which we call the soul. And so you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. Well, your body has uh, needs, and your body has desires. In other words, one of the needs and desires that your body has is for food. And if you stop eating you'll find that your body does not function very well. Uh, Your body has a need for water. If you stop drinking, you'll find your body does not function very well. Uh, Your body has need for air. And that one, if you stop breathing, uh, will get you quicker than the eating or the drinking. (laughs) But your body has needs. And so um, because your body has needs, it's going to put desires into your mind. And it's going to like pull on you and say, you need this, you need this, you need this, you need this. And there's something that Paul talks about um, in Corinthians and Romans especially, and it is the Greek word for flesh, but it's actually the Greek word sarx, S-A-R-X, sarx. And sarx actually has to do with the body and the unrenewed mind. And so William Barclay talks about this, and you know, I read this years ago, and I've been looking for this for like three years, and I finally found it uh, a couple weeks ago, and I was so happy, <laughs> and, um, because I think it's one of the best descriptions I have, I have read uh, defining the flesh 
or the desires of the flesh or the way that the flesh will try to control you and try to consume you. He says it means not only the flesh, but it, uh, it is, oh, excuse me. Paul said you are in the flesh. And there he was not saying like you're like committing a sin. He's saying like you're living in a fleshly body. You're living as a human. You're living in the earth. In other words, you are in a body, right? He said, I pray God, you know, your whole spirit, soul, and body. And so you're living in the flesh. But he said the Greek word for, for that, the sarks, means not only made of flesh, but dominated by flesh. In other words, you're not just a flesh and blood human being, which he said you are, but he said you are dominated by that flesh. Right? When he's saying, you know, if you live by the flesh, you will surely die. So if you live dominated by the flesh, in other words, by the flesh making the decisions for you, by responding to the desires of the flesh, in other words, letting your flesh make the decisions, then you will die or you will surely die. You know, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And so uh, there are pleasures in sin for a season, the Bible says. And so you can have pleasures for a season, but I'm in this thing for the long haul. Meaning, you know, to use the investment example, if you're 20 years old and you take $100 a month or $200 a month and you start investing that now instead of uh, buying everything that your little eyes can see, well, that's going to be a blessing to you later on. And the things of God uh, pay off way quicker than that. To Paul, the flesh is much more than merely a physical thing. It means human nature apart from God. That part of men and women, both mental and physical, which provides a point of entry for sin. I love how he said, it's human nature apart from God. When you're born again, you've got a new nature. You've got a God nature. You're recreated in Christ Jesus, and now you actually have the very life and the nature of God. But Paul says, if you, if you look at his letters, you just read them kind of like an overview, you'll see he keeps saying, you've been made a new creature. Don't try to live the old way. Don't try to live by the dictates of the flesh, by letting the flesh decide for you what you're going to do, what you're not going to do. You know, if you do that, you're going to say a lot of things to a lot of people that you have no business saying. And you're going to be cursing people instead of blessing people. There is he that speaks like the piercings of a sword, Proverbs says, but the tongue of the wise is health. In other words, the words that you speak can actually bring healing into people's lives, bring healing into people's bodies, or the words that you speak can actually cut and can destroy. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. So the fault that Paul finds with the Corinthians is not that they are made of flesh, all human beings are, but they are, have allowed this lower side of their nature to dominate all their outlook and all of their actions. I mean, think of what a human would look like if they were dominated by God, if they yielded themselves to God. Who, who, who would they look like? I suppose Jesus. 
because Jesus came in the body. Uh, Christ came in the body of a man named Jesus. <clears throat> he really means the nature, human nature, in all its weakness, and he means human nature in its vulnerability to sin. So like the unrenewed mind and your flesh are vulnerable to sin. Your spirit's really not. That's why Paul's saying, don't try to live out of this other part. If you try to live out of this other part, uh, you're going to get messed up. Now, don't misunderstand me. There is no satisfaction like the satisfaction that you have when you live dominated by your spirit and dominated by the Holy Spirit. So the other things that your flesh wants, sure, it might satisfy for a moment, but this will satisfy for a moment and everlasting. When you respond to God, it actually goes beyond the temporary. It actually goes to the eternal. You know, in the world, they talk about, you know, the fountain of youth. We're looking for the fountain of youth. The fountain of youth actually exists. But it's not a physical place here in the world. It's a connection with God. It is called Zoe life. And when that Zoe life comes in you, you will live forever in fullness of life. Do you ever see somebody like if they're all, you know, you don't hear uh, those examples of the fountain of youth where somebody that is all stricken with cancer wants to get some fountain of youth water so that they can continue to suffer through life. Uh, the pictures of that are always like perfect life, perfect health. Well, that is actually only possible from the source of all life, the Lord Jesus Christ. He really means human nature in all its weakness, and he means human nature in its vulnerability to sin. He means that part of human beings which offers sin a way in. He means sinful human nature apart from Christ. Everything that attaches people to the world instead of God. Everything that attaches people to the world instead of God. So when Paul is talking about the flesh and not living by the flesh, he's not saying don't go eat a hamburger <laughs> or like fudge, like soft fudge or, or sweet potatoes, like Sweet potatoes, the best sweet potatoes. Oh, my. He's not saying that that's bad. But to be dominated by it, like maybe if you had four helpings or something like that, that might be bad. He's saying don't let that make your decisions for you. In other words, what decisions? Well, on Sunday morning, your body maybe wants to make a decision. You know what? I'm just going to sleep in today. I've had a really rough week. Sometimes people that have children make a decision. Well, that church service is too late. My kids need to get to school in the morning. Well, I have to tell you, if they're going to public school, it's likely you're making a decision to sacrifice, for spirit, uh, sacrifice spiritual things so they can be indoctrinated by things of the flesh and of the world. So what seems good at the moment may not be long-term what's good. I mean, I have seen people, even at my young age, who raised their children right, had them in, in church, but then they sent them off to some prestigious college and didn't ensure that they had a good church and a good foundation. 
they may gain the whole world and lose their soul. What's that? Well, I'm talking about you're flying that airplane and you're looking like here and now. Uh, I like, um, I don't know if you ever heard of the missionary Wayne Myers to Mexico. It's so transformational for Mexico. We got to hear him. Um, I guess you weren't there. I got to hear him when um, I was on a missions trip uh, when I was a student at Rama down in Mexico City. And he said something that has never left me. And he said, you know, he was like 80-some at the time speaking to us. And he said, live life in light of eternity. Live life in light of eternity. In other words, don't just live for today. But you know, when you live life with a focus on eternity, you're going to have the best life now. Why? Because in the world, Jesus said, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And so um, trouble comes to all of us. And so things may be going fine right now, but I have to tell you, if they are, you better get ready. That doesn't mean like, that's not a happy message, is it? (laughs) What's the happy message? Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. In other words, you may go through something, but you'll be more than a conqueror in it. In other words, it doesn't have to devastate you. It doesn't have to uh, dominate you and, and ruin the rest of your life. And actually, if you live out of your spirit, it won't. Because there is rest and refreshing in the Holy Ghost. His mercies are new every morning. In fact, you don't even grow old in the spirit. You're renewed day by day. So the flesh or sarks is everything that attaches people to the world instead of to God. You want to see the person who is the most fulfilled, see the one that is connected and attached to God. And then, you know what? If you're born again, I know you've experienced this. When you are walking with the Lord and you wake up, the sun is brighter, the fragrances are more rich, life is better, the outlook is wonderful. If, if you're not experiencing that, that's a sure indication that you're not walking in nearness to the Lord the way that he desires for you to walk. Because when you're near to him, faith always has a good report. In other words, like I, like I say about the spirit of faith, <clears throat> I say spirit of faith is like a basketball in a swimming pool. So if you take a basketball in a swimming pool and you try to keep that thing underwater, if it's properly inflated, I'm telling you, you cannot keep that thing underwater. And as soon as you think you've got it, okay, I got it, I got it, poof, it pops right up. Ah, poof, pops right up. As soon as the devil thought he had Jesus, popped right up. In fact, he thought, I got him. He's gone. And before mankind saw him pop up, he was wreaking havoc in hell. He's like, I have come to destroy your power over mankind, your dominion over mankind. So we make changes when we hurt badly enough or the rewards are great enough or we learn enough that we're able to. So one of the things that we need to learn is that your feelings are not you. You feel hot. You feel cold. 
you feel happy, you feel sad, you feel excited, you feel depressed. Well, if you identify with those things, what's going to happen? What happens when you identify with something? You say, yeah, yeah, that's me. Yeah, that's the case. You start moving in that direction. You start going in that way. It's like a magnetic pull. Well, if you identify with who God has made you to be, you start moving in that direction. And all of a sudden, the pull of the world and the things of the earth uh, begin to lose their power and lose their pull and lose their sway upon you. I want to read you Romans chapter 8, verse 2 in the Phillips translation says, For the new spiritual principle of life in Christ Jesus lifts me out of the old vicious circle of sin and death. For the new spiritual principle of life in Christ Jesus lifts me out of the old vicious circle of sin and death. Black translation says, for the principle of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has liberated you from the principle of sin and death. And next to principle, it has a little star and it says the force of action. In other words, the force of action of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has liberated you from the force of action of the law of sin and death. In other words, the law of sin and death has a forceful action, but the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has a forceful action. And the law of the spirit of life, Zoe, in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. In other words, before Christ came, all mankind was um, sentenced to the law of sin and death. Why? Because mankind is not perfect. Jesus was the only perfect one. And so what happens? Well, in a measure, are you a perfectionist? Don't raise your hand. But in a measure, all of us are a perfectionist. All of us want things a certain way. And we want to have this. We want to have that. But Jesus came as the perfect one to set us free from the dominating power of perfection over our lives, that we don't have to be perfect, that we don't have to make zero mistakes to get in, that we don't have to follow everything perfectly in order to be accepted by God because he came and he followed everything perfectly, fulfilled the law so that we would be accepted by God, so that we would be asked in and ushered in, and it is by the blood of Jesus. It's through his blood that he gave us access and that he made a way for us to enter in. Johnson's translation of Romans 8.1, just the previous verse says, now there is no accusing voice nagging those who are united to Christ. You know, King James, now there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ who walk not after the flesh, the sarks, the desires that the flesh would be, that you would be without God, but after the Spirit. Another translation says, and behave in no flesh-governed way, but in a spiritual way. Johnson says, there is no more accusing voice nagging those who are united Christ. Roth says, no sentence of punishment. There is no condemning law in the force to defeat us now that we are identified with Jesus. 20th century. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in union with Christ Jesus. For those who are in union with Christ Jesus. What does that mean? I was talking to Jeremy actually about this before service. And I said, 
It's interesting. I think if I had a, a Ostrom paraphrase, it would be for those who live in consciousness of their union with Christ Jesus, there is no longer any condemnation. You know, in reality, there is no condemnation. But the blood of Jesus and the word of God will silence, or you could say mute, the voice of the devil. In other words, you may look over and he may still be, but as soon as you realize that in Christ, in your union with Christ, it comes through your union with Christ, that there is therefore, because of that, now no condemnation. In other words, there is no condemning you in Christ. God is not condemning you. God is not saying, uh, well, you got to pay for this because you messed up, because you did this. You know what you should have done? You should have done this, and you know you should have done it, and you made that mistake, and now it's all on you. It's all your fault. That is the voice of the devil. That is not the voice of God, because in Christ, there is therefore now no condemnation. And if you walk in consciousness of that union, in other words, if you walk conscious of that, if I walk conscious, like if I'm going to go to the airport, somebody uh, uh, blessed me and gave me a ticket to fly to Israel to go and, and paid for the whole trip and all the tips and everything, like there's, there's, and paid for my time away and all that. In other words, everything's free, everything's taken care of. And if, if I'm on my way uh, to Dulles today to fly out for that trip, uh, and, you know, I'm conscious of that, and I'm excited about that, and I want to go see those things. Well, if you live in consciousness of your connection or your union with Christ Jesus, if that is ever before your face, um, let's look at Proverbs real quick. We'll close with Proverbs. Proverbs, uh, I think it's 424. Somebody know it? 21, maybe. Proverbs 4, 20 through 22. My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear into my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. In other words, what do you see? What are you conscious of? Do you see yourself in union with Christ? Do you see yourself one with Christ? If you don't, then you're going to have trouble with the voice of condemnation if you're not conscious of that. So in other words, there is no condemnation for them that are in Christ. But if you don't live in consciousness of that, you're going you're gonna to hear the voice of the devil and those thoughts. And you'll begin to get off course and you'll begin to move in that direction. You begin to change for the worse. But... If you stay conscious, attend to my words. If you keep it in front of your eyes, I always, look, I always do it like this. Uh, I don't know if you can see it. Okay, everybody, put your hand up like this and look at me through your hand. You can see me, but there's something kind of messing up your vision. Okay, now you can put your hand down. So you can walk through life. You can see what's going on in life, but the greatest thing that you can focus on is Christ and your union with Christ. And then, yeah, you're going to go through life, but it's not going to dominate you. It'd be sort of like if you're trying to drive to church 
and you come from the west, and the sun is rising, and you can't see where you're driving. But if you put your hand up, it blocks enough of that that you can actually see where you're going. I don't know if that's a voice of experience or what, but... My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those that find them and health to all of their flesh. Uh, let me, you know, that was the last scripture, so as a pastor, then I'm going to give a last example. <laughs> Second close. And so one of the best illustrations I have of this is uh, from my father in faith, Brother Hagen. And that is, he was a thinker. So I can relate to that because I'm a thinker. And so when he was uh, sick, had three incurable diseases, the devil would talk to him. It's actually kind of how he, he learned to follow the voice of the Lord because the Lord would also speak to him. And these thoughts, that's how the devil works, these thoughts would come to him. And um, sometimes it was even like, kind of like a voice, but that's beside the point. But he's on the bed of, of sickness and he starts to see light concerning healing. You can be well. Woman with the issue of blood. If her faith made her whole, your faith can make you whole. Well, the devil has no power but, but those thoughts he's trying to put in. So you know what thoughts started coming? Started bombarding him? Well, they said no one in your condition has ever lived past the age of 16. And in fact, most people get paralyzed. And he's like, I'm paralyzed now. I'm going exactly the way I said I'm, they said I'm supposed to go. And he said, I was there, and he said, because of all that, he said, I saw myself dead. I watched myself die. I watched my mother come in, see my dead body. He said, then I watched them, and that day they'd, they'd put the uh, body viewing in homes. He said, I watched them put me in the casket. I watched them wheel me into the living room, and I watched people come by, and I would see their faces as they looked down in, at my body in the casket. And he said... Then I watched them close the casket. I watched them take it to the graveside. I watched them lower the casket into the ground. I, I listened to the, the pastor's sermon as they lowered me into the ground. He said, then when my body was under the ground, he said, I watched them bury that. I watched them plant grass seed. I, I watched the grass come up in the spring. He said, I watched flowers come and I watched birds come. I saw myself dead. Now, he was kind of monotonous like that, if you didn't know him, but he, he would kind of go on and on. But that's because that's how he thought. The point is, this verse right here, that's what he had before his eyes. What the devil said, death, dying. Until he began to get light from the word. And then what he put before his eyes, just like the verse says, brought health and healing. And so it's kind of like, what is before your eyes? What are you looking at? Actually, if you look at the perfect law of liberty, you're changed from glory to glory. You'll be changed. You'll be transformed. But what are you attending to? My grandmother used to live close to the supermarket that I worked at, so she's like, uh, she's like I'm going to go to the grocery store, but I got some things I have to tend to. What does that mean? Well, I'm going to do that, all right, but I have some things I have to tend to first. And so uh, that's what the Holy Ghost through Proverbs is saying. You put God first. Attend to the Word so that you, you have the Lord here 
And yeah, sure, you see other things, but, uh, oh, look, I could just use that as a son. <laughs> but you're not as affected by them because you've got Holy Ghost shield. And everything you see, you see through that. Most importantly, when you look in the mirror. That you go home, you look in the mirror, and you realize the flesh body that you see there, if you are born again, is so much more than what that mirror reflects. It's actually a being that has become one with God, that has all of the um, freedom in the world that Christ bought us. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom and liberty. Stand with me if you would. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe you're here this morning and you have been living for yourself, living uh, to fulfill what your flesh wants, what your unrenewed mind is pulling on you, what the world is pulling on you. Maybe that's you this morning. And as they sing and as they play just uh, for a couple minutes, I want you, I don't want you to come forward unless you want to. I don't want you to lift your hand. But if that is you, I want you to just talk to the Lord right now make an adjustment. He loves you. He wants you to have the very fullest and best and most satisfying life possible. But he's not like the devil. He's not going to force you. So you could be born again and you could be living in frustration, living in fear, living in such a way that you feel like you have to perform in order to be accepted. And that's not what Jesus paid the price for you to live like. He paid the price for you to live in full assurance, in full freedom, and in full peace. You may have the peace of God on the inside of you, and you do if you're born again, but you may not let, be letting that peace of God live through you. You may not be living in, in consciousness of that peace. If that's you this morning, I just want you to pray to the Lord right now. Ask him to forgive you and then say, Lord, say like this. Say, Lord, forgive me. I missed the mark. I don't want to live for my fleshly desires. I don't want to live for things that people tell me I'm supposed to live for. I want to live for you. I want to live your way. I'm not going to live in frustration and I'm not going to live in worry. I'm not going to live in fear. But I'm making a change. And I'm making a change for good. That my course is now on your heavenly pathway and your heavenly road. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for forgiveness, for cleansing, for restoration. That your mercies are new every morning. And thank you that you're doing something new in my life today and this year. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for each and every person that's here and that's listening. Father, we thank you for the power of your word, that through your word you give us freedom, that the truth of your word 
as we know it, sets us free and puts us and keeps us on your path, that we don't walk under the dominion of darkness or under the dominion of sin, but we walk in the freedom of your spirit and the freedom of your life. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.